0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. I am your Casual Criminalist, Simon, and in today's video, we've got, uh, as always, a script has been put together by Callum, which I am going to read. This is one of our shorter episodes, by the way, so if you prefer the longer stuff, well, I mean, keep watching, but this is going to be one of those episodes that you prefer less, or maybe don't like at all. In that case, smash that dislike button if you're watching on YouTube, or you can leave me a negative review on iTunes if you really like Or just leave a five-star review. That would be awesome. Uh, This is the story of the Stone of Scone. Uh, Scone or scone. I think that there are two kind of accepted pronunciations of scone in the UK. I feel like scone is a slightly posher way of saying it. Also, this is called the Stone of Scone. If you just called it the Stone of Scone, it wouldn't rhyme. So it's less nice. Anyway, let's just crack on. I have no idea what this is about. If you're new here, what happens I, I will read this that Callum has prepared and uh yeah learn along with you guys i have no idea if this involves murder or just crime maybe it's a heist absolutely no idea let's just jump in the uk as you might have heard is not in the best shape politically well not we've got bloody boris johnson running the country (laughs) he's like a posh british version of donald trump while we try to figure out although you know actually in charge of things. While we try to figure out exactly what happens next with Brexit, a good chunk of the country are actually looking for the door. Scotland most of all, is seriously considering soaring a line down the middle of the country and sailing off into the Atlantic alone. What, wouldn't they sail off into the North Sea? Although I suppose the Atlantic is on the other side as well. But I I did hear that Scotland's They've tried, they've like voted for independence from the UK many times, and it's always really close. And now that they're, and if they were a separate country, they could apply to be members of the EU, which they definitely wanted to stay in. Scotland's leaving the United Kingdom. This is almost a foregone conclusion. There's a, their next referendum, they are gone. Surely. But that's not really anything new. Fans of historically dubious Mel Gibson films will know that there's a long history of discontent between our Northern neighbours and their London-based overlords. And not all of the stories from this centuries long dispute involves battle and bloodshed. Today we'll be looking at one of the most iconic crimes in modern Scottish history. Famous as much for its symbolic significance as its brass bald daring. This is the story of the Stone of Scone, a very Scottish heist. Well, there we go, this is one all about heists. (laughs) What is the Stone of Scone? If for some reason you decide to visit Perthshire in Scotland and pops into the ancient Scone Palace for some sightseeing, you'd find in the courtyard a slab of stone a little over two feet wide. You could easily mistake it for a beat-up old bench, but really, this rectangular chunk of sandstone holds a lot of significance in, Sto- in Scottish history. It's a replica of the Stone of Scone. Also, oh, so this scone is not... I thought this had something to do with scones. <laughs> like, I don't know scones i guess are quite a british thing um they're like a piece they're sort of a bready cake that you typically put cream cheese on and uh jam it's very delicious uh but apparently here it's a weird stone bench which sounds way less delicious also known as the stone of destiny that sounds like a Disney movie. This was the traditional coronation stone of Scotland where kings and queens were well made into kings and queens. The original stone is subject to all kinds of myths and legends stretching all the way back the book of Genesis. The story goes that the Hebrew leader Jacob used it as a pillow while having trippy visions of angels. From there it made its way to Scotland via Egypt, Sicily, Spain and Ireland, eventually ending up as one of the country's most important holy relics. that's most likely fiction, of course. The type of sandstone it's made from means it was probably sourced from a quarry near the palace. Stupid science ruining everything, bloody archaeologists. No matter, though, because the stone has also been the subject of some very real legendary events. Over the past 700 years or so, the English and the Scots have been snatching it back and forth. It started with the Battle of Dunbar in 1296 when King Edward I of England gloriously brought the renegade Scots back into life. Gloriously, Uh, Kalimads in brackets. I'm sure they teach it a bit differently up north. No, this wasn't the Braveheart one. That came a little bit later. Stabbing each other to death was basically the national pastime of England and Scotland for much of history. The only reason we stopped is because football was invented. (laughs) As a punishment for not helping him bash the French, Edward took the stone back to Westminster Abbey and fixed it into the base base of England's coronation chair, where it remained for centuries. If you're thinking to yourself that story hardly counts as a heist. Well, be patient. We're getting to that. I'd be a bit disappointed if Callum was like, Yeah, the episode ends there. It was sorry to disappoint. It said that in ancient times there was a metal plaque affixed to the stone which read Unless the fates be faulty grown and the prophet's voice be vain, where'er it is found, this sacred stone, the Scottish race shall reign. That might seem like an attractive sentiment for anyone who wanted to smash apart Queen Elizabeth's glorious empire and reinstate Scottish home rule. Symbolically, recovering the stone would be a pretty big deal. Where lords and armies had failed for centuries, some patriotic uni students would one day succeed. Fast forward to the mid-20th century, and the two countries had been joined as the United Kingdom for about 450 years, but there are some in Scotland who feel like they're getting the short end of the stick in the arrangement. honestly they kind of (laughs) are and i especially now with brexit and i totally get it like if i was scottish i'd probably vote for scottish independence uh uh, english people are going to be upset at me for that i feel like it's quite a patriotic issue but i mean i get it guys by this point the people of the British Isles have swapped out their long swords and crossbows for arguably more civilized methods of settling dispute per political parties and votes. Support for Scottish nationalism was still relatively weak back in 1950 though, which is why a group of students from the University of Glasgow cooked up a plan to make a big statement in its favour. The heist. Planning. Their plan was daring they were going to break into london's westminster abbey on christmas day and recover the ancient stone from where it had rested for centuries this is one of those rare instances when a heist isn't done for monetary gain so you don't have to feel bad about supporting it their aims were purely symbolic i have to say break it into westminster abbey that's got to be a pretty secure building right and i mean that I, I callum hasn't said how big this stone is but he said you could mistake it for a bench So I'm guessing this isn't some sort of small stone. The four-man team consisted of a leader, Ian Hamilton, and his accomplices, Kay Matheson, Alan Stewart, and Gavin Vernon. Hamilton, a law student with a promising career, had spent much of the previous year reading everything he could about the Abbey, looking for some exploit- in its design. Satisfied that it was theoretically possible, Hamilton brought his plan to some nationalistic figures in Glasgow and managed to secure funding from the leader of the Scottish National Party, Jack McCormick. OK, this is just, this just got way more serious. <laughs> I feel OK, like a bunch of students are going to go and nick some stuff. Like we used to steal things as a joke at uh university like we'd have a competition where it was like you'd steal something and then the next person like not seriously it usually be like stealing like a bench from the university and putting in your in your dorm room or something um but this would be now that you're getting like funding from uh the leader of a political party (laughs) it feels like oh that the crime is getting more severe. He offered a £50 contribution to the cause, worth about £1,000 nowadays. With this, Hamilton decided to do some fieldwork, as planning a heist in the library was proving to be pretty fruitless. He repeatedly visited the abbey to look for an entry point, and one night ended up staying after hours. When he was discovered by one of the abbey staff, they assumed he was a homeless man looking for somewhere to keep warm, so they gave him a bit of money and sent him on his way. That little humiliation was worth it, because Hamilton discovered on his visits that one of the side doors was made of pine wood. other than the sturdier oak used for the rest of the entrances. This was their weak point. They could easily pry this door open and quietly gain entry in the middle of the night. Stealing In the early hours of Christmas, I hope no one gets punished for this. Because this just sounds like some people having a bit of a laugh. I imagine the... uh, I hope there's not some overreaction and one of these guys ends up in prison or something. In the early hours of Christmas Day 1950, the four students gathered in London to make their plan a reality. Hamilton, Stuart and Vernon made for the door while Matheson kept the engine running in the getaway car. Getting into the Abbey turned out to be the easy part. Uh, is a car... How big is this stone bench? <laughs> After prying the door open using a crowbar, they made a beeline for the coronation seat. Had camera phones been invented back then, they would have been obliged to stop for photos, but instead they just got straight to work, removing the stone from its nook under the chair. I don't think they should have stopped for photos. Like, I've say, i got another channel, uh, a YouTube channel called Business Blaze, and like one of the recurring themes on that channel, whenever someone does crimes, it's like they're writing them down, they're taking photographs of them doing said crimes, they're admitting to said crimes, just... Dude, if you're gonna- No, don't take any photos. Like those guys at the Capitol riots in the United States, like you're making videos of yourself committing major crimes. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. I mean, not for justice, but for your own self-preservation and self-interest. It's like, come on, stop it. Pro tip, criminals. Don't take records of your own crimes. What they hadn't reckoned with is that a 152 kilogram chunk of rock is heavy and they hadn't brought any means of easily shifting it. This was the first thing I thought of. Why is everyone in Casual Criminalist? There are so many people who are terrible at crimes. And I know this is kind of a joke crime, but this is the first thing you'd think of. It's a giant piece of stone. The guys who have been scouting it have seen it. You didn't think about this. How? Why? Things took a disastrous turn when they slid it out of its resting place and the whole damn thing snapped in two. Uh-oh. Cue a flurry of uniquely Scottish expletives when one trunk landed on one of their feet, breaking two toes. Uh-oh. <laughs> but at least this solved the weight issue. Hamilton was able to carry one of the trunks outside by himself, placing it in the back of their Ford Anglia. What happens next was like something straight out of Hollywood. As he re-entered the abbey, the mastermind heard a policeman outside asking Matheson why she was loitering outside the abbey. Thinking on his feet, Hamilton rushed back out side and kissed his accomplice, explaining that they were a couple of lovebirds looking for a bed and breakfast. The officer seemed satisfied enough with that, and the couple drove off with the first chunk of stone. When they got far enough, Hamilton hopped out and returned to the abbey. he discovered that Stewart and Vernon had made a run for it when they heard the officer, leaving the second chunk where it had landed. He was able to scramble back to the second car with it by himself, where his skittish mates had retreated to. Fleeing it didn't take long for the night watchman at the Abbey to notice that the stone was gone. It was pretty conspicuous after all. He called the police who set up checkpoints along the roads leading out of London and closed the borders with Wales and Scotland. Oh, this suddenly got real. It's like they're hunting a fugitive. Why are you making such effort? It's, a, the, I, I mean, okay, it's Im- the symbolic importance behind this stone that people are nicking, but it's like how much taxpayer money is going into closing borders and all of this police stuff? It's not like they've kidnapped a child for <laughs> Shouldn't swear on this podcast for Christ's sake. The problem with swearing on a podcast, you have to attach the expletive thing on iTunes, and apparently that puts people off from listening or something. Although, if it was me, it would encourage me to listen. It makes sense to suspect the Scots of stealing back their stone, but why rope the Welsh into it? Well, they could have escaped to Wales, hidden out in Wales for a while or something, but I mean. You're treating this all very seriously, guys. Matheson managed to get ahead of all of this by leaving early, so he didn't get into too much trouble from the police. She was able to slip back across the closed-off border and deliver the first junk to her family farm. So, they just were... Yeah, closing the Scottish border, I mean, are there even, like... I've driven to Scotland many times, and Wales many times, there's no border. As for the other one, it was going to be tough for these for the three young Scottish guys to get out of London unnoticed. So instead of heading north, they travelled to Kent in the southeast. That's where I'm from. They buried the stone in the f- in a field and left until the heat died down. Back home in Glasgow, the group enjoyed seeing how their crime stirred up previously repressed national se- nationalist sentiment and brought international attention to the cause. I am wondering, didn't they they approached that guy, the leader of the National Party or whatever, in Scotland for funding for what like? Petrol money? (laughs) What is the big cost here? A crowbar? The UK government had to tread very carefully as a result not wanting to further fan the flames, a policy since abandoned by Boris and his crew. When the gang returned to the burial spot to retrieve the stone some months later, there was the slight complication that a group of Romani gypsies had set up camp in the field, but they didn't interfere with the recovery. They probably just wondered why these weird northerners were treating a slab of rock like it was made of gold. When the lads crossed the border back to Scotland, they gave the stone a splash of whiskey to welcome it home. The group had finally managed to reunite the two halves of the stone and Rejoins them with the help of a Glasgow stonemason. The Capture and Return Meanwhile the authorities were hard at work trying to track down the renegade Scots. They knew they were likely dealing with students, so they started the rounds in places that students spend the most time. No, not the pubs. The libraries. Alright, I mean, <laughs> I would have started in the pubs. <laughs> but also, like, this is the most student crime ever. And I, I respect to the police, for being like, yeah, that's where we're going to look. It's students. It's, it's students. They canvassed all the major libraries in Glasgow and Edinburgh to find out if there had been anyone with a particular interest in the stone the year before. This was essentially the old-fashioned equivalent of checking your Google search history, just with far less pawn to shift through. At the Mitchell Library in central Glasgow, they found exactly what they'd been looking for. One student had been checking out dozens of books on the Stone of Destiny and even more on Westminster Abbey itself. Oh no, you've made a record of your crimes! The police brought Hamilton in for questioning and interviewed people at the university to find out the names of his accomplices. Despite the threat of losing their places at university and ruining their future careers, none of the gang folded. They stayed tight lipped while the police searched their home for the stone, coming up with nothing in the end. Still, things were getting a bit too real now, so the students started to plan their exit strategy. It was now the start of April, and they felt there was nothing more to gain by holding onto the stone. If anything, keeping it hidden would actually dampen the publicity that they'd brought upon Scottish de- devolution. So they contacted a pair of Scottish nationalist councillors from Arbroath, maybe, and with the help they and with their help they placed the stone inside the ruins of the town's abbey, where the altar once stood. This was one last symbolic flourish, because Arbroath Abbey was where Scotland's 1320 the Declaration of Independence was drafted up. Yes, America, you're not the only country to have one of those, <laughs> especially from the British. After the students dropped off the stone, the custodian of the abbey locked up the site and waited for the police. They, in turn, moved it to a jail cell at a four-far police station. This all happened on the eleventh of April, nineteen fifty-one. Meaning the stone had been absent from Westminster Abbey for over four months. Thankfully, no coronations needed to happen in that time because our fair queen is, as you all know, immortal. <laughs> uh, one of those things that blew my mind was there's a like series of photographs on like a website of the queen dancing with presidents. And it's like the number of presidents that she's just gone over to visit in the US is insane. Just some like young queen meeting like, I don't know, FDR's too far back, isn't he? But it's crazy. There are so many. Nonetheless, the stone was transported back to the abbey, installed under the seat, just in case Lizzie ever gets bored of this monarchy malarkey. The students ended up facing no charges for the theft, which just proves how successful they were. Scottish nationalism had been whipped up to such a degree the government couldn't risk lighting the fuse on the powder keg by throwing the book at the young thieves. Also, it was just a bit of a laugh. Let's not let's not punish the students. Also, that guy with the law career. Uh, a friend of mine from law school he was once caught speeding really badly like well over well into the hundreds or not into the hundreds but like well over a hundred miles an hour and he had to go to court because of it like if you do really bad speed you have to go to court and he was becoming a lawyer and he had to go there's the sra as the solicitor's regulation authority and they decide like if you're a person of upstanding character or whatever and can practice law And he had to go before them and defend his case. Because if you've got a criminal record and you want to become a lawyer, you have to do that. And uh, yeah, he said that was a right laugh. Not really. They did let him become a lawyer. Everything ended happily. (laughs) Wrap up. That's not to say that was the end of the rabble-rousing Scots troublemaking, though. By the time the 1990s rolled around, they were making all sorts of wild demands, like asking for their own parliament. Outrageous! So in 1996, the UK government decided they could have their bloody stone back, as hopefully that would shut them up. The Stone of Scone was transported to Edinburgh Castle, where it remains to this day. Regardless, the Scottish did end up getting their own parliament in 1997, (laughs) and if you've been paying attention to the news, you'll know that the matter didn't end there. As for the culprits of today's crime, they went on to graduate from university and each enjoy successful careers. Hamilton the mastermind became a top criminal lawyer. While looking back on the most daring deed of his youth, he told a reporter, "'I've defended a lot of daft people during 30 years as a criminal lawyer, but I doubt very much if I've defended anyone who was as daft as we were then. Daft or genius, either way, they were pretty successful. The PR power of their legendary theft was a major factor in getting the stone reinstated to Scotland four and a half decades later. The understanding is that when the next coronation happens, the Stone of Destiny will be transported back down to England for the ceremony, but with the Scottish Nationalists now essentially in control of the country, I'd be very surprised if they give it back quietly. Looks like we'll need to get those longswords and crossbows out again, after all. Steady on, Callum. Dismembered Appendix If some other legends about the Stone of Scone are to be believed, honestly, probably not, like, We know it came from a local quarry, but let's see what we've got. This whole thing might have been a moot point to begin with. One story states instead of letting their sacred stone be carried off down south, the monks at Scone Abbey actually hid it away in a river. If this is true, any intrepid intrepid treasure hunters out there could seize the chance to become de facto King of Scotland by claiming it as their new coffee table. This has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist, one of our short episodes. So this one's ringing in almost 20 minutes. That ain't so short, but I love it. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and you're watching this show on YouTube, please do subscribe. Hit that like button if you're listening to this as a podcast. And your podcast platform supports reviews, unlike Spotify. People keep writing something. I'd like to give your podcast a great review, Uh, but I can't because I listen on Spotify. I don't know why Spotify doesn't have podcast reviews. Seems a bit insane to me. Maybe they'll change that eventually. But if you can leave a review, it is very much appreciated. It helps get this podcast in the hands of more people. And thank you for listening or watching.